Chapter 10 Simple Christian Views of Extortion You've said this often, but now that we're talking about this, allow me a little more time to go on. We have a great many people in this country who live their entire lives in this practice, and so they are under the guilt of extortion. People who regrettably reject the idea of being regarded as such. For example, suppose a poor man and his family live many miles from the market, and he wants a bushel of ground corn, a pound of butter, or cheese for himself, his wife, and his poor children. Because he lives so far from the market, if he goes there, he'll lose a day's work, which will be financially devastating since he is a poor man. So he goes to one of his bosses for what he needs and asks him for help. His boss says, Yes, you can have it, but with it he oppresses him with cruel extortion, making him pay as much or more because he is buying it at home. He ends up paying the price he could get when he's carried it five miles to a market, and he charges the same if he refuses their product or service. The women are especially confused by this, and they sell their butter, cheese, and other things to pay this kind of extortion. It turns the poor into prey because of their need, and it's a grinding of their faces, a buying and selling of them. Scripture What do you mean that you beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor, saith the Lord God of the hosts? Isaiah 3, verse 15 Above all this, your hucksters buy up the poor man's provisions at wholesale prices and sell them back to him for unreasonable profits at retail prices. And so, a little at a time, they fall into this way and play their game, paying a stinging rate of extortion. For example, those who buy up butter, cheese, eggs, bacon, etc. at wholesale, sell it again to the poor through unwelcomed payments, which they are forced to make for the week after the market is passed. Many of them bite and pinch the poor by this kind of evil dealing. They destroy the poor because they are poor, and that is a serious sin. Scripture He that oppresses the poor to increase his riches and who gives to the rich shall surely come to want. Proverbs 22, verse 16 Then God says again, Rob not the poor, because he is poor. Neither destroy the destitute in judgment, for the Lord will judge their cause and spoil the soul of those that spoiled them. Proverbs 22, verses 22 through 23. Oh, if only those who lay hold of and grind the face of the poor in this way would take notice of these scriptures. In them we see that the destruction of the estate of those who oppress the poor is threatened. Yes, and the destruction of the soul, too. We will better see where and in what condition that is when the day of doom arrives. But as for the worldly holdings of such people, they usually quickly gather dust and decay. Sometimes everyone knows this, and sometimes no one knows how. Besides, these are people who loaned money and took interest for it. Yes, they charged interest for food and drink which is something the Lord forbids. Scripture Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother. Usury of money, usury of food, 
usury of anything that is lent upon usury. Deuteronomy 23, verse 19. And because they can't do as well financially on market day, they do it, as I said, when the market is closed, because that's when the poor fall into their traps. They are forced by poverty to get what they can to meet their need, and as a result, they are committed to pay severely for it. Perhaps some will find fault for my meddling in other folks' business and for prying into such secret sins, but to such people I would say, since such actions are evil, it is time they were hurled from the world, because all who do such things offend God, wrong their neighbor, and like Mr. Badman, provoke God to judgment. God knows there's an abundance of deceit in the world. Deceit? Oh, yes, but I haven't even told you a fraction of it. Nor is it my goal to get to the bottom of that dunghill. What would you say if I dissected some of those wicked wretches called pawnbrokers? You know the ones I'm talking about. Those who lend money and goods to poor people forced by necessity into such difficulty. These pawnbrokers, by one trick or another, make a deal, but lend with interest amounts to thirty, forty, and sometimes even fifty dollars a year. Aside from the principal, which is secured by sufficient collateral. And in the end, they'll keep that too, if they find some indirect method by which they can cheat the pitiful borrower. I declare, such scoundrels are annoying parasites not fit for society. But I think by some of the things you said earlier, you seem to imply that it's not lawful for a man to make the best amount of money he can. If by make the best, you mean to sell his product or services for as much as possible by hook or by crook, then I say it's not lawful. Because if I said the opposite, I'd be justifying Mr. Badman and all the rest of that gang, and I'll never do that, because the word of God condemns them. You see, it's not always lawful for a man to sell his commodity for as much as he can get. I prove my point with these four reasons. First, if it's lawful for me to always sell my commodity as something of high value, or for as much as I can get, then it's lawful for me in good conscience, to men and to God, to lay aside my own share in dealing with others. But it's not lawful for me to lay aside good conscience when dealing with others. For that reason, it's not lawful for me to always sell my goods or services as if they're precious or for as much as I can get. We've already proved that it's not lawful to lay aside good conscience in our dealings earlier in this discussion. But the fact that a person must put aside the idea of always getting the most they can get is clearly shown in this way. Second, as mentioned before, the one who sells his commodity as precious to get what he can must at times take advantage of the customer's ignorance. But he can't do that with a good conscience because it would be cheating to deceive by cunning, and is forbidden. Let no one oppress and defraud his brother in any matter. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 6 Consequently, he who sells his goods as something of high value, or for as much as he can get, needs to lay aside such thinking in good conscience. 
Third, if a person always tries to sell his commodity as something precious, at times it will require him to take advantage of his neighbor's need. But he can't do this with a good conscience, because that goes beyond what is right and defrauds his neighbor, contrary to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 6. And so the one who plans to always sell his commodity as something valuable, or for as much as he can get, must lay aside good conscience to do so. Fourth, in the same way, one who sells his commodity as precious, or who tries to sell it for a high price in comparison to the usual price, must take advantage of his neighbor's lack of sense. But one can't do this in good conscience, because it still goes against what is right, and is contrary to 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 6. Therefore the one who sells his commodity as precious, or for as much as he can get, must lay aside good conscience in this case as well. The same can also be said for buying. The one who always tries to buy as cheap as he can must also use good conscience when buying, because he can't always buy at the cheapest price and keep his good conscience, for the same reasons I've already mentioned. Such people will have to prey on the ignorance, need, and lack of sense of their customer, all of which they can't do with a good conscience. When Abraham wanted to buy a burying place from the sons of Heth, he said this to them, Intercede for me to Ephron the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is in the end of his field. For as much money as it is worth, he shall give it to me for a possession of a burying place amongst you. Genesis 23 verses 8 through 9 He didn't want to have to pay less than it was worth. He scorned such an idea, abhorred it. Such behavior went against his religion, reputation, and conscience. In the same way, when David wanted to buy a field from Ornan, the Jebusite, this is what he said to him. Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it to me for the full price. 1 Chronicles 21 verse 22 He also, as Abraham, practiced ethics and integrity in this kind of dealing. He didn't try to watch for an opportunity to take unfair advantage of the Jebusite or go beyond what was right. Instead, he was willing to give him the full price for his field, because he knew it to be wicked, to sell for too exorbitant a price or to buy too cheap. Therefore, he didn't do it. For this reason, integrity should be used in selling and in buying because it is also dishonest for a man to go out of his way to defraud his neighbor in buying. Yes, it's dishonest to do so in any matter, and God will abundantly avenge that wrong, which I've already warned about and testified. Scripture And if thou sell anything unto thy neighbor, or buy anything of thy neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. Leviticus 25 verse 14 but secondly, when it comes to selling, if it's permissible for me to always sell my commodity at an exorbitant price, or for as much as I can get, that would mean it is lawful for me to deal with my neighbor without love and goodwill. But it is not right for me to lay aside love or deal with my neighbor without goodwill. Therefore, it is not right for me to always sell my commodity to my neighbor at the highest price I can get. In dealing with others, a man should really think about his neighbor's good, 
profit, an advantage as much as his own, because this is exercising love in his dealing. The fact that a person is to show love and goodwill toward his neighbor when buying or selling is evident from the general command, Let all your things be done with charity. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14 But a man who doesn't show love or integrity and sells at an exorbitant price or who buys as cheap as he can is evident in these ways. First, he who sells his commodity as an expensive item and always gets as much money as he can for it thinks only of himself. But love seeks not her own. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 so then, he who only seeks his own best interest as he makes a sale for the highest price he can get, doesn't show or exercise love in his dealing. Second, he who always sells his commodity for the highest price he can get, hardens his heart against all reasonable offers from the buyer. And he who does so can't exercise love and goodwill in his dealings. Therefore, a man isn't allowed to sell his commodity for the highest price he can. Third, if it is lawful for me to sell my commodity at the highest price I can get, then there can be no sin in my trading, however unjustly I manage it, whether by lying, swearing, cursing, or cheating, because it's all done just to sell my commodity at the highest price possible. Scripture Therefore, leaving the lie, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Ephesians 4 verse 25 But sin is evident in these things. Therefore, I can't always sell my commodity for the highest price possible. Fourth, he who sells at the highest price possible violates natural law. Scripture Therefore, all things whatsoever ye desire that men should do unto you, so also shall ye do unto them. Matthew 7, verse 12. Now, if the seller were a buyer, he wouldn't want the person he is buying from to always sell to him at the highest price possible. Therefore, he shouldn't sell in that way when it's his turn to sell and others buy from him. Fifth, he who always sells for the most expensive price possible makes use of training God hasn't given to others, to abuse his law and to wrong his neighbor, a sign that clearly shows this is contrary to God. Scripture He seals up the hand of every man that all men may know his work. Job 37 verse 7 God has given him more skill, knowledge, and understanding regarding his commodity than he has given to the one who buys from him. But can he really think God has given him this knowledge so he can be the grandest, just to use it to make prey of his neighbor? Does he think he is the most persuasive so he can go too far and trick his neighbor? No, I tell you the truth, God has given this to him to use him so that he might open the eyes of his customers and save them from the possible harm of their own ignorance, need, or what an inordinate desire to possess could lead them into. Scripture No temptation has taken you but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13
Sixth, all that a man does, he should do for the glory of God. But he who always sells his commodity for as much as he can get can't do this for the reasons already explained. Scripture, do everything for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 Seventh, all that a man does, he should do in the name of the Lord Jesus, as one commanded by him and authorized by him to do it. Scripture, and whatever ye do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and Father by him. Colossians 3 verse 17 But he who always sells at an exorbitant price can't even pretend to do this without horridly blaspheming his name, because he is commanded by him to do otherwise. Eighth, and lastly, in all that a man does, he should look toward the day of judgment and consider how his actions will be regarded on that day. Scripture, there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. And for this reason do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Acts 24, verses 15 through 16. For this reason, no one should ever take advantage of his neighbor by always selling to him in the manner we've discussed, unless he is willing to run the risk of judgment on that day. Scripture And if thou sell anything unto thy neighbor, or buy anything of thy neighbor's hand, ye shall not oppress one another. Leviticus 25 verse 14 But why do you add these cautionary words? Do you mean to say a man can't at times sell or buy for the best price he can get? There are times the seller can sell what he has as precious and valuable, and at times the buyer can buy something for as cheap as possible. But this is allowable only in these cases, when the one selling is a deceitful fellow who lays aside all ethics and integrity when selling, or when the buyer is a deceitful fellow who lays aside good ethics and integrity when buying. Therefore, if the buyer or seller seems deceitful, let the customers examine their own behavior and motives, so they do not lay aside their own integrity and ethics. Let them keep their commodity at a reasonable price, or if they are the buyer, let them offer an amount that provides a reasonable profit for the thing they want to buy. If this isn't acceptable to the buyer or seller, then look elsewhere for a more honest marketman. If you say, I don't have the skill to know when a good buy is before me, then find someone who has more skill than you in the situation and let them make the decision in the matter regarding your money. But if there were no deceitful, dishonest people in the world, such tactics wouldn't be necessary. And so, my very good neighbor, I've given you a few of my reasons for why a person who has something or wants something shouldn't always sell for the highest price or buy for the cheapest possible price, but they should use good ethics that honor God and show love to their neighbor. I have to say, I think if someone were here to hear you, they would laugh at and ridicule you. I don't doubt that at all, because that's exactly what Mr. Badman used to do when anyone pointed out his faults to him. He used to think he was wiser than anyone else, and as I've hinted at before, even though he was an adult, he was a schemer who never attained a mature, dignified spirit, 
and never hesitated at any wickedness. But let Mr. Badman and his fellows laugh. I will cancel it out and still give them good counsel. Scripture No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they who justify themselves before men. But God knows your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Luke 16, verses 13 through 15. For my further relief and comfort, I also remember that in this way the Pharisees of old were envious of the Son of God himself. It is their time for such people as that to laugh now, but they will mourn in time to come. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Luke 6, verse 25. And again I say, when they have laughed their laugh, he who doesn't follow good ethics and show integrity toward God and love toward his neighbor when buying and selling, lives alongside an unbeliever and is next of kin to Mr. Badman. But what do you say to this question? You know there's no settled price set by God on any commodity, bought or sold under the sun. Yet the prices of all things that we buy and sell do ebb and flow like the tide. So how should a man with a careful conscience handle this, so he neither wrongs the seller, the buyer, or himself, when buying and selling commodities?'